0: We want to welcome everybody to another episode of You and the Law Podcast Show. We are streaming live on Facebook Live. Uh, we're streaming live on LinkedIn, and we're also streaming live on You and the Law on YouTube. So wherever you're watching it, we're, we're thank thank you for tuning in tonight. We've got another great informative topic. Uh, I am one of the co-hosts of the show, and as always... The bearded guy sitting there goes by the name of Chief Swaggy Swaggy One. Hey man, you
1: you got you got nothing to say about my glasses, man.
0: You know, I was gonna get to it, man, because you know, you 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 got the you got the new glasses on, man. You know, the the round the round glasses, man. So is that is that the new swaggy look? Man, anything I wear is a swaggy look, man. Well, you know, so you know, I mean, you you know, where's where's the hat at? Where's the hat? You know, you, you know, gotta, I got You can't
1: you can't do the same thing over and over again, man. You gotta do something different. So way. so that's what that's what our listeners uh, and viewers look for. That, know, that's what they, they next? yeah, man. That's what they look for, huh? Okay. I, mean, I might pop up over here with a bow tie one day. You just never know. Well, you know what, man. And I'll and, and mine'll be tied, man. I won't. I won't. I won't get one that you just hook around your neck. I will actually tie my bow tie.
0: Well, it, that's good for you. That that you know, you you will. Your bow ties are are those that you can tie. I don't have a problem saying that. You know, mine's would be a clip on. They look different. There's a difference.
1: Well, one you know that's what, would You know, clip on bow ties. You know, when you used to wear your clip-on bow tie, I used to want to ask you, man, you got your grandson bow tie? On, Easter bow tie?
0: No, nah, man, my bow ties weren't that small, man. Okay, t- let's get to it. Let's get to it, man. Let's get to the topic, man. Hey, you know what? You know, we've got a, a another informative topic that we're going to be talking about tonight, uh, because hopefully, you know, a lot of people will tune in and <clears throat> and join in on the conversation. We we've, we've got people who are listening live on linkedin live so we may have some people some other people who may join us uh, to talk about you know the embedded culture of policing uh you know keith we've talked about the blue wall of silence um and here's just another uh, conversation about the embedded culture of policing we've got some uh some some video clips that we're going to be showing throughout the the podcast so hopefully people will our listeners will will uh put their comments or questions in the chat room because keith you know you and i know that the culture of policing needs to change but it, it is so embedded so you know what to, when we talk about this topic of the embedded culture of policing what comes to mind to you? So, so Virgil, I I, I want to say something and
1: I want to make this disclaimer because I, I had a discussion with a good friend of mine who said that, you know, it kind of sounds like we might be um, uh, bad mouthing law enforcement. Let me make this very clear. We're talking about a small percentage of law enforcement. I've said this before, one to two percent that makes it hard on everyone else. Um, and exactly. so we, it does not negate the fact that we have men and women out here that are putting their lives on the line every day. Uh, it looks like every other day we get one of the officer down uh, messages that, that an officer has, you know, given their, given their life protecting, you know, people. So this has no reflect. This is no mm-hmm. reflection on those officers. We're talking about those that have gone astray. Uh, and I think of things like Rampart. Uh, that happened in LAPD. I think of things that happened in Dallas PD. Oh, I want to say maybe 20 years ago when they had the, uh, the gentleman who was uh, planting um, yeah, but- crumbled up, well, crumbled up sheetrock uh, in um, uh, the possession of um, Hispanic males and arresting them on cocaine charges. Uh, that was a known fact that he was doing that. Nobody stopped, you know, nobody said anything about it. I'm, I'm talking about those. I'm talking about those that commit criminal acts. Uh, I worked with a guy who uh, sexually assaulted a young girl, uh, and spent, uh over 20 years in the penitentiary. Uh, so these are the, these are what we these are the people we're talking about. We're talking about that embedded culture where, uh, they don't respect the badge or they utilize the badge as power and feel as though that badge can, gives them a carte blanche to do everything. It's not, it's not like that in every police officer uh, and uh, in every police department, but all it takes is one. So when we talk about embedded culture, we're talking about the uh, not wanting to change, not wanting to be uh, changed for the best It's we've always done it this way. It doesn't matter that it's not, focusing on, um, um, you know, procedural justice. It might, we've always done it this way. It's always workforce. So I just wanted to clarify that, that we we don't bash police departments. We talk about the behavior of those individuals who embarrass the badge.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, Keith, and you know, <clears throat> when you talk about the embedded culture of policing, it is a culture that is resistance to change not everybody yeah the so the the men and women who work for police departments are part of that that body and you have people who feel like uh, there's nothing wrong with it because this is just the way we've always done it Uh, but i think for individuals to think that our topic is about bashing Police officers, or bashing police department. Again, I think these are conversations that that should have been had a long time ago, but we're having them now, and we're talking about the, the culture of policing needs to change. And I think one of the videos that that I'm going to show, that Bergen, we're going to talk me, about. Virgil, let me say this, and and
1: you know, I think what what the listeners need to understand that in in these departments that we talk about, especially some of them. That culture has has, has grown, um, uh, and so these are not a lot of things that have just happened overnight. So it's not like you get a person uh, that decides <clears throat> one morning. So these are things that have grown; they've been cultivated. Uh, people haven't been put in check. Uh, things have been; the backs have been. People have turned their backs mm-hmm. on these individuals. So I just want to I just want to say that also that yeah. it's, it's it's deep rooted in, in its long term problem that has, yeah. has been in, in 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 departments that are having these problems
0: yeah okay we got we've we already got a comment in the, in the chat room from from one of our listeners on linkedin uh rick Morrison, who states uh why don't the 98 percent of good officers call out the bad two percent good question Uh, That is a good question. And I will say, man, we're seeing more of that.
1: Uh, I I know that the the departments that I have uh, been police chief, 60 to 70 percent of the complaints come from internal sources. Mm -hmm. So It does happen. We just don't see that. The the public doesn't see that. Um, And then there's a lot of pressure. There is that thin blue line in some organizations that people don't feel comfortable coming out.
0: Well, then that's that that's that embedded culture that it's embedded that you don't. Yeah,
1: it is. But but it takes it takes good quality people to stand up and it takes courage. But there are, to answer your question, there are officers uh, that stand up to uh, those who are continuing, who who do bring shame uh, on the profession and on and on those departments uh and so i'm proud of those officers but all it takes is one incident in the nation for all police departments to be lumped into as as corrupt
0: yeah well and, and he uh, goes on to say in his uh, comments is that uh you got to fix the police culture just like the in the black and brown community uh snitches get stitches uh no different uh in the uh, blue culture uh so uh Real good comments, and uh, thank thank you, uh, Rick, for uh, for tuning in and uh, joining our uh, our podcast. Uh, looking forward to uh, much more uh, conversation from you and Keith.
1: You hey, know, I think hey, Virgil and just to, just on Rick, I want to congratulate Rick. he had been too long promoted to rank. Uh, uh, got promoted to a first line supervisor. I'm not going to say which department. But uh, I'm
0: proud of Rick. He's a really good guy. I love I love me some Rick and his family. All right, all right, all right. Well, hey uh, Keith, I wanna <clears throat> I wanna show this video and, and to set this up, this is uh, a recent incident that happened in L.A. Uh, L.A. County Sheriff Department a deputy who uh, responds to a, uh, a shoplifting incident uh, or some type of an incident at a uh, Winco. A grocery store. And uh, he is caught on body camera, uh, slamming down a elderly black uh, lady to the ground. And so it, to, when we talk about the embedded culture of policing, these are, there are so many examples of officers who don't have any self control over their, uh, their actions. And then people kind of say within the police organizations, this is just the way we do it. This is just the way we we we, we were trained. This is just the way we were taught. And so that's the embeddedness of, 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 of the police culture. But uh, I'm going to show this uh, video. And uh, for those who are who will watch it, if you've never seen it before, it is very disturbing to, to see how this officer quickly uh, uh, slams this lady uh,
2: to the ground. Sheriff's deputies under investigation after a woman was forcibly thrown to the ground. Witness and body worn cameras capturing the encounter. Steve Patterson has the report and a warning
3: the video is difficult to watch. In newly released body camera video from the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, two deputies are responding to a report of a robbery at a grocery store in Lancaster, California.
2: What's going on, dude? He got the camera, oh, bro. He come, why do you order some s**t, right? So just relax. gonna pat you down. You, I don't it. have nothing. Okay, there was we weapons. Don't know
3: that. The Sheriff's Department says their deputies approached a man and woman who matched a description given by store security. No, I'm not under arrest
4: for what? You're not under arrest.
3: You're being, no being detained. detained for what? For what?
4: Listen. Down.
2: What have I done?
3: After detaining the man,
2: my arm is f- up, man.
3: One deputy confronts the woman filming with her cell phone.
2: Now you can't touch Stop. me. You can't touch Stop. me. Ah! Get down on the ground. Are you- get on the ground. It's on you. Stop. You I don't get a- a- Stop. Stop.
3: The man, now in handcuffs, We're pleads with the nothing. other deputy. He put him away. I he got cancer. She got cancer, man. All right, dude. The deputy then seen putting his knee on the woman's neck. Get your neck off my, off my, I can't breathe. Hey, we're in a fight at the window. I can't breathe. There's no fight. You threw me down to the ground. Stop manhandling me i didn't do nothing in a statement the sheriff's department says they've opened an investigation into the incident adding quote while the department does not make statements related to ongoing investigations sheriff luna has made it clear that he expects department personnel to treat all members of the public with dignity and respect and that personnel who do not uphold our training standards will be held accountable
4: would you want somebody to slam your female relative on the ground.
3: In the parking lot that day, Lisa Michelle Garrett, who recorded this angle of the incident, showing the woman thrown to the ground.
5: Oh! I was just blown away, that's why the
1: phone
4: dropped. I'm like, what? Oh no, uh-uh. We rode away from the um, the incident. Um, I was crying because it's very emotional.
3: Shopping with Lisa, her partner, Emil.
4: If they did what
2: they said that they did it still doesn't justify that officer coming over to the lady and taking his arm to her neck and slamming her
1: down on the ground
2: and steve patterson joins us tonight from los angeles steve so many questions about so many aspects of this video and this case i know you've been listening in on a late press conference that's been happening uh give us any type of update because because there's a lot of questions tonight
4: here
3: Yeah, that press conference wrapping up just moments ago, it was with Sheriff Luna. We did learn a little bit more, but those details still filtering in here. First of all, the nature of this investigation, now an internal investigation, meaning the sheriff not releasing any names of any of the deputies involved or the suspected perpetrators in this case secondly the nature of the call that came in was for actually assault of a loss prevention employee inside the store which leads us to our third point that both the male and the vi and the female in the video that you just saw Were arrested. The male arrested for being uh, involved in resisting a police officer and petty theft. The female arrested for suspicion of assaulting an officer and battery of one of those employees inside. The sheriff says he hopes to wrap this investigation up in about 40 to 45 days, Tom. But learning a lot about this.
0: Thanks for watching our YouTube channel. You know, Keith, as I stated uh, before I showed the video, it's going to be very disturbing to to watch it. And, you know, obviously there's a lot that, that occurred before the, the citizens started recording uh, this encounter with those deputies. But, uh, you know, you and I know uh, investigations take some time, but I think one of the most disturbing things out of that, Keith, is the fact that When the sheriff makes the comment that these deputies are supposed to treat everybody with dignity and with respect, no matter what type of call you're responding to, you cannot lose sight of that dignity and, and respect. And for, if it not being obviously the officer's body cameras would have shown what took place as well, but not for that uh, citizen also recording this. Uh, it gave a different uh, lens of as to what happened. And again, Keith, everybody knows after the death of George Floyd, every police officer in this country, every police department, every police chief, every sheriff deputy, every sheriff of this country in this country should. No, you, your officers should not be using their knee into somebody's neck. That is that is that is so gross of of negligence. Because if you need if he, anything could have happened, he could have the weight of that officer could have broke this lady's neck, and we're talking about something. Obviously it happened inside of the store, Uh, but there again, Keith, this just goes back to the conversation we're having about the, the the, the culture of policing and how embedded it is, because there's gonna be another video I'm gonna show with this same department. And that's why so many departments have so many things that are embedded within their police departments that have not changed in decades
1: well Virgil, you can you can tell i mean i understand that these uh individuals were suspected of being involved in a uh theft i I get it but they were
0: both outside they were both calm um they were and one and as you saw one the the lady was actually recording you know using her cell phone so and 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 so you know i mean the question is you know
1: you want to detain him, you want to arrest, you know, put cuffs on them. There's a way to do it. I mean, you, you got two officers. Um, you know, I just didn't see the, <laughs> I didn't see, uh, where it was justified in slamming that lady to the ground. And she's asking him to get his knee off her neck. And it's, it's quite obvious that that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing else. Um, you know, if you feel like you're going to be involved, we tell people this. I mean, that was a situation that it did not look to me, and I'm trying not to armchair quarterback, but Virgil, it did not appear to me that that was a exigent circumstance where when those type of force take place right then and there. <clears throat> yeah. You could call additional officers. Why don't you talk to people to find out what's going on? Uh, if you want one officer to go inside, have another officer come over and wait with the other officer to detain those individuals and do your investigation. This was one of those situations where uh, it's like it was just immediately, you know, get on the ground, get on the ground. uh, And it's, it's, it's it's very disheartening to watch that. I mean, everybody knows use of force is not pretty. I've said that hundreds of times when applied properly, it's not pretty. Uh, but we still have to justify. We cannot use the amount of force. We cannot use an amount of force greater than the reaction no the actions of those individuals. And it, slamming it, somebody, it, slamming that lady it, on the ground it, it, because she's saying no or because she's recording did not meet the level of... Uh, that use of force. Yes, it did not meet the level of that use of force.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and so, Keith, I want to get to... Uh, uh, a comment in the chat room from Rick again. He says, hopefully uh, police agencies would never knowingly hire a a bad cop. So if we don't hire them that way, then where do do these uh, bad cops come from? It's a good question, Rick. Uh, We police culture create them. If you allow this honorable profession to turn into a job, you will see and treat people less than human still no excuses for unprofessional behavior. And, you know, Keith, I think a lot of this just goes back to what we've talked about before training. You, you have a, some police academies who are very rigid. This is the culture. This is the embedded way we do things. Uh, you may have people who come into this profession who have every intent to be a good cop. But by the time they go through that academy, by the time they go through their field training, they have went through so many different individuals, and every person is telling them these people that you're dealing with are not your friends. They're the enemy. It's us against them. It's us against them. And if you are especially a minority, you are you got to fit in. So there may be some thing you just kind of ignore because you need this job you need to fit in and i think that's where you know rick and, and to those who are, who are listening you can hire the best people but then once they get in the door they become a, a part of this embedded culture and i think keith this is where you've been a police chief at some of some uh major cities large agencies where oftentimes you see police chiefs who don't really know what's going on within their department. Then when these things happen, now you're trying to figure out how do you, how do you manage this crisis? Because there's a, a lot of things are going to co- come out. And now it's a reflection of the leadership of that agency.
1: Berger, let me, let me say this. We're missing one ingredient here. And and I know of this based on a recent incident that occurred in one of my Former departments, uh, it's it's it's. It, there was one person who was entrusted in teaching defensive tactics. Mm-hmm. That one person um, was such a problem that other departments and and people start complaining to the point that they, the organization that they were working for, uh, uh, pretty much dismissed all liability. Uh, things as, you know, why don't you put the gun up to your head and, and, you know, on the gun range, you know, since you can't shoot far away, why don't you put the gun up to your head and and shoot? Um, Those kind of things. And so you got to have the right people in training. Um, I will tell you the best defensive and physical tactics instructor that I have ever seen, and I'm going to call his name, was Dwayne Kelly who was the defensive defensive tactics coordinator for Arlington police department for years. Mm -hmm. He has moved on to another training coordinator's position, but Dwayne used so much emotional intelligence and he worked with each individual until they completely understood the force continuum. Mm -hmm. And his focus was there just, sometimes you don't have to put your hands on people. There are just sometimes or some things that don't justify you taking someone to the ground or tasting someone. You know, you always try not to get above the officer presence. But Dwayne utilized a strong um, procedural justice and a strong emotional intelligence training regiment that I think was very beneficial. And working in internal affairs in, in Arlington, we did not get a lot of. Um, excessive force complaints. We got complaints regarding from people who thought they'd use excessive force, but when you went back and reviewed the video, it wasn't because people don't naturally want police officers touching them. And so when you touch somebody, they assume in some situations. But I just remember Dwayne being that person who was very calm. Uh, He didn't make it seem like every person that you were coming in contact with wanted to hurt you. He wanted you to be aware, but he didn't want you to be paranoid. It was the same thing with firearms training. (laughs) He sculling was one of the best, Uh, and we we had a gentleman before then, uh, but just the firearms instruction there was uh, very professional. Unlike another department I was at where you were taught kill, 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 kill. Mm -hmm. It was more use your gun instead of your mind instead of your, uh, you know, and so it all has to do with who's training, uh, who is training these recruits and what is the, what is the message you're trying to send? Um, That's, that's key. We miss that ingredient when we start talking about these problems. Uh, We also miss the ingredient of training, field training, who is the field training officer. Okay. What is that field training officer talking about in the car? What is that field training officer allowing that, uh, that, that new officer to do, um, on, on, on these calls? We're missing that. And then who's that first line supervisor who's signing off on these daily operation, re, daily observation reports yeah. and who's signing off on these evaluations. So, so we, so you got to, you got to realize those are important parts of this mix. Um, And so how are these how are these officers being
0: trained? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you know, Keith, um, I want to remind those who are just now tuning into the podcast show. uh, The tonight's topic is the embedded culture of policing. And people will probably ask the question, Keith, what do you what do you mean? Embedded culture of policing, Uh, things that are entrenched, things that uh, have been a part of this police department for decades and decades. Uh, when you talk about training, when you talk about uh, uh, use of force, when you talk about uh, just the overall some operations of, of the police department, these things are embedded in the culture of the agency. And then that spreads out into the, the individuals who are wearing the uniform. They become a part of that embedded culture of policing, Keith. And I think you know, you talked, you touched on, you know, field training. Um, One of the things that I think would change the the culture would be having much more um, first line supervisors and even those above having much more conversation with those who are going through that field training to see the person you're sitting next to who is supposed to guide you through this training what is that person like and i think we need to make this profession not so much about oh man i can't say anything because if i say something i'm gonna be i'm gonna be that that bad person i'm gonna be that snitch so i don't want nobody to know i said anything you know it kind of brings me back to you know any other profession would you uh you know would you want to have a bad dentist who who uh you know has has you know done some unethical things but here here's somebody who is pulling your tooth uh and you don't know anything about this person's character so you know again kid i think there's we need to do a much better job of of uh not just screening the people that were that we're hiring and going through fto training we also need to do that, a continuing uh, screening of first line supervisors, you know, all the way up to to your uh, to your to your captains, your majors in your department, because people kind of get they get comfortable. And if and everybody kind of feels like you're taught from day one, Keith, when you come through an academy, you better keep your mouth shut. And if you don't, you, you won't be around this department too long. Well, we, we pride
1: ourselves on being paramilitary. And, you know, we, we parallel the, tr- we parallel the um, concept of the military. Um, we're not a military. Um, we're not military organizations, um, you know, and we are uh, guardians. We are those entrusted in protecting our community. Mm-hmm. We know that we're going to encounter those individuals that who are going to be resistant. We know that. Yeah. And we have to train for that. Mm-hmm. We, we have to train for that. And I don't think there's anyone out there that doesn't realize at any given time you may have to use deadly force based on the actions of another person. Correct. And and there are laws on the books that give us that authority but there's no law on the books that gives you the authority to be excessive in your, in your force in the, you, in the use of force. And um, like I said, there are departments that have it down to the T they do the training Uh, they, you know, it's basically this emotional intelligence part of it, make it very clear, but you know, it comes down to also Virgil. um, Are we just trying to get the numbers? Are we just trying to push people through? Uh, How do you really, really, how do we really in law enforcement, Virgil, how do we actually screen someone to determine what their uh, what their character is? Now, we talk about the psychological, you know, there's about there's about a nine to 12 step process in hiring somebody. It just depends on what department it is. But, you know, states have made it a requirement that you go through psychologically, and we catch a lot of those, a lot of those individuals that are not psychologically ready to be police officers are uh, weeded out. But mm-hmm. let me just say this. Let's go back to Fort Worth situation. Uh, Officer Aaron Dean, who uh, killed the young lady, um, um, I can't think, I'm, the young lady who was that my nephew. Yeah. 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 So the story behind Aaron Dean was that Aaron Dean failed the psychological test twice, mm-hmm. and he was able to appeal. And, and, and he was able to appeal it to the state. Um, the state uh, basically he went through another psychological test, and there was a board of psychologists or psych- psychologists that basically overruled those two first tests and said that he is capable of being a police officer. Now mm-hmm. you had a professional that says he's narcissistic. Um, he has a problem with authority, some authoritative figures. He's, um, pretty much, he doesn't have, he, he loses control. Have to skip. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now you hire this guy and then three or four years later, this happens. Yeah. So, you know, how do you win in those situations when you have a professional saying, No, this guy isn't suitable for and, the job and he had failed several other um psychological. psychological tests in other departments he had applied for. Yeah. Right? So then now you overrule it and <laughs> say, Oh, he can do it. Now yeah. my, my 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 question is, how do you win in that situation? When that stuff occurs, how do we convince our Communities that we have that we're not just hiring people. It's not about the numbers that we yeah. are um, going through and being selective uh, in in who we hire. Yeah, you know, it's 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 amazing how that happened, and that needs to be the the case that's taught in every police department. Every chief needs to go back and read that those details of that investigation Mm -hmm. Uh, and also go back and look at his trial where the same psychologist testified about his uh, anger issue, being being narcissistic and Mm -hmm. things like that. We
0: got to figure out a way how to, how to, you know, how to address that. Yeah. Well, and Keith, you know, one of the things I want to bring out is that police departments pay for these psychological test. So you're, you're paying a couple of hundred dollars, maybe up to a $1,000 uh, for a background, for psychological, and then through the process that uh, uh, doing that psyche evaluation, you got some good information that's being shared with you. Instead of you just cutting that person loose, now all of a sudden you want to bring them into your organization and these things happen. And so, you know, there is a cost factor that these agencies are doing up front. But when you look at, is it really worth it? Because now uh, an innocent lady lost her life, uh, city of Fort Worth paid out millions of dollars in, in, in lawsuits because of this one action of somebody that they could have prevented from being inside of their police department. And I think, I believe her name was Atiana. Atiana. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I want to
1: say Atiana Jefferson, but I don't want to call the wrong last name, but it was Atiana. And yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. it, it it goes back to how do we, um, how do we fix this? You know, how, how, and, and I think a lot of it goes back. I've said it before early intervention, you know, to the listeners, uh, we spend millions of dollars a year in law enforcement on systems, and the majority of the police departments have an early intervention system in place that mm-hmm. uh, provide that flags certain situations. If you have an officer who's uh, abusing sick leave, if you have an officer who's utilized uh, force uh, in in a, in a certain number of uh, in a certain time period, uh, an officer who's Um, had accidents in a certain time period. And so the system is there. And what happens is that you have first line supervisors who don't utilize that system. Um, The system doesn't mean anybody's, you know, there are individuals, depending on where they work, depending on, um, you know, the areas they patrol, the type of individuals they come in contact with, they might have to utilize force. We understand that. And so because someone has utilized force three times in 90 days, that does not mean they're using excessive force. And so that's when it's time to sit down and talk to this individual and just see how they are. You never know what you, what will come out in that situation. Uh, So we don't utilize that. I've said that before we don't utilize, um, you know, we've talked about annual psychological tests. Uh, There are, Uh, reasons that I've been given is that now you can have someone that says, well, I've got PTSD and now the department has to pay uh, uh, a person goes out on uh, disability or, uh, and now the department has to pay or the city has to pay this person retirement for the rest of the year. But at the Mm -hmm. the end of the day, um, there has to be something in place in order for us to determine if it's five years There has to be something. Yeah. Uh, that we can determine um, if you know there's somebody in crisis or if this person's at the on the edge yeah uh, or, you know
0: yeah well keith i want to get to a couple of comments in the chat room uh rick has a comment where he he says that we're hiring for the job instead of hiring uh for the, the police profession uh pam states uh her comment is that she states uh uh my youngest daughter always says snitches snitching is the code of gang members uh if, if police uh departments aren't gang members they shouldn't have a problem with exposing abuse in their departments uh another comment from ricky says chiefs and sheriffs expect their officers to go out into the community and build trust transparency and open communication with our customers rick It makes Rick uses a word that that I often use Keith. Customers. We in this profession, look at our citizens as citizens instead of customers. And I think there is it is interesting that that Rick uses that word customers, but he goes on to say, but inside our police organizations trust transparency and open communications is on life support or it doesn't even exist at all. So, you know, Keith, I want to go back to that word customers. That is something that you do not hear a lot of people in our profession use that word they in in field training, uh, just in everyday interaction with citizens. We do not look at our look at our citizens as customers because you said this before i'm gonna use one of your words we exist because of the community without the community we would not exist so what what are the community yeah they're citizens but they're also our customers and we we probably have one of the the most horrible customer service rating uh there is uh in the workforce well, it, it
1: comes down to, you know, and a lot of departments now are, are, are leaning on Disney's leadership training and customer service training. Companies that have uh, Chick-fil-A, uh, they're bringing those, those uh, individuals in, yeah. those customer service uh, techniques. And and we are, and, and I've seen a city that every employee, even law enforcement officers, have to go through customer training, mm-hmm. customer training. Cus, Customer, customer service, service training, mm-hmm. um, and one of the funniest things I've ever heard. There was a class called "Give Them the Pickle," and <laughs> okay, that's the that is the name of a class, and it was "Give Them the Pickle." Give Them the Pickle. It was designed by um, a gentleman who owned a restaurant, I think, up in the owned a chain of uh, ice cream stores up in the, up in the Seattle area, and the crux of it was. Um, You know, if 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 you leave out any part of a person's um, order, then you are not providing good customer service. Exactly. Uh, And um, there's a lot more detail to it, but that was the crux of it. If you leave Mm -hmm. out one part of customers, one part of professionalism, if you leave out one part of interpersonal skills or whatever, emotional intelligence, you're not providing customer service. And is- so we have to ensure that because people don't look at our community as customers. Like you said, they look at the community as just just people that need police service, but they're paying for service. Um, yeah. You can't go to uh, a restaurant and get bad, you know, a restaurant owner can't expect his waiting staff to give bad service and people don't give bad reviews. Yeah. So you've got to give, you know, you've got to expect, we've got to expect more out of our, our people and um, we've got to stop. We've got to stop making and part of training is that everybody's out here to kill us. Yeah. Everybody's out here to hurt us. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we train for not, we train uh, 95% of our training is dealt with hands on and firearms for 5% of the population that we know is going to hurt us. But the other thing about that is you never know when you're going to need those resources. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a catch 22. It's a slippery slope, but we got to press emotional intelligence and we got to press cost customer service.
0: Yeah. Well, Hey Keith, I got another clip I want to show. And it's, uh, Uh, addresses the the topic that we're talking about tonight which is the embedded culture of policing and if you're just now tuning in to our podcast show um you know if you miss any parts of this podcast show you can check out the the rebroadcast on our facebook page you're on the law facebook page as well as uh any of our streaming uh podcast platforms that you listen to so keith uh let's check out this uh next next clip and uh as it uh this discussion that they're having is about the embedded culture of policing.
5: Come back with us now is Dr. Errol Southers, who teaches law enforcement practice and counterterrorism at USC and is the director of the Safe Communities Institute at that university. He was also once with the FBI and an instructor at the Los Angeles Police Academy. So, Mr. Southers, let's talk police reform in Los Angeles. What happened in Minneapolis? Could it happen here?
2: I would like to believe it won't happen here. It could happen anywhere. Uh, with all due respect to screening and training, let's face it, Chauvin and his partner had 13 complaints in their history since 2012. Chauvin was involved in three shootings since 2006. What's really important about that is his, his other seven complaints since 2012, there was no discipline. So, you know, as they say in police work, this is what we call a clue. And I'm not going to vilify the Minneapolis Police Department, but they do have a history of some challenges when it comes to complaints. And so these things can happen. They've had 3,000 complaints at Minneapolis Police Department between the years of 2013 and 2019. 98% resulted in no discipline to those officers. So I think that perhaps it's time for a hard look and a hard review by an independent body of Minneapolis PD to decide do we have a chronic and systemic problem here, or are we just the victims of a community that is so challenging that these things always happen?
5: The concern has always been, and we'll hear from Connie Rice, civil rights attorney in a moment, that it's a lot easier to change the management, but the cultures and practices of a department is far more difficult.
2: There is a police culture. And I can't deny that. However, as an African-American male, I can certainly tell you having someone who lives in both worlds, who's you know obviously African-American and been in law enforcement, there is often an us versus them mentality that exists. Unfortunately, Conan, there's a warrior mentality that goes with some agencies and some communities that you're going out there and you're actually going to war each afternoon, as opposed to being, protectors of the community, they feel like they're warriors in the community. So you speak to a culture that we are trying to erase. And I think it really is incumbent upon agencies to screen consistently, continually. And when they have problem officers, look, everybody can't do this. Everyone shouldn't do this. And for those who do a great job for the 98%, 99% of the officers out there who go out every single day and protect and serve, In a way that we consider incredibly honorable let's not forget them this is a very small minority of officers but those officers need to be former officers as quickly
5: as possible and getting back to police reforms at the LAPD have they worked
2: the LAPD has advanced but I will say this obviously it's not a perfect world there were not perfect human beings so there is no perfect department but LAPD was there but Conan let me just speak to the broader issue here the culture only changes when you have leadership And when Bill Bratton came here and we were under a consent decree and Connie Rice was there certainly looking over their shoulder, we had an influence in terms of legal responsibility to change and LAPD changed. Many people of the old guard from LAPD left. Bill Bratton brought in a whole different culture. Community policing really meant community policing. The department started to reflect the community that it served and I think LAPD was there, they've turned a corner again things are going to happen but I think people may have a better sense of things being adjudicated more
5: fairly than decades ago when we had to go through these things as well Dr. Errol Sothers of the Safe Communities Institute at USC thanks for taking the time thank you sir thank you for having me up next
0: you know Keith uh, some of the things that we talked about tonight about this us against them mentality the warrior uh, mentality that you just mentioned before we uh, before I showed that clip, he, he he hit on a lot of key uh, topics uh, that uh, is is what we're seeing uh, around some around the country with so many police departments.
1: Well, Berger, he said something interesting. Uh, that something interesting in that was that it's easier to change the management than it is. Than change, it's to change okay. the culture. Uh, because the management is one person. Yeah. Uh, Culture is many people. Uh, so, you know, and the one other thing I want to, I want to, you know, share with the listeners, you can't expect perfection in law enforcement. And I think sometimes our communities expect perfection, uh, not do anything, not use force, not have to use deadly force, uh, Fire everyone that, you know, I mean, I've heard people say because they got a ticket, uh, I want that officer fired. And so and then that goes out to, well, they've got a corrupt department because this officer wrote me a ticket uh, that that they deserved. It was a ticket that they had. They had violated traffic laws. They they, they deserve to get that ticket. Mm-hmm. But we've got to we've got to we've got to get the community to understand we're not perfect. We 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 can't afford to make mistakes, major mistakes in law enforcement. Which we make mistakes can end up with somebody losing their lives, either a person we're encountering or an officer. But we're not perfect. Uh, We're going to make mistakes. But the thing that we have to get right is we have to learn from those mistakes to make things better. Yeah, we have to. And they said something really interesting. When you come in with reform and you're a reformative person. And you really stick by your guns and you your are, values. Yeah. People are going to leave.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: You're going to see those individuals who don't want
0: reform, who they're going to start leaving. Yeah.
1: Uh, because because the,
0: when people. Are you're, yeah. You're changing. You're changing that embedded culture. You are. You are.
1: And yeah. it's very difficult to change the entire culture. But the thing about it is you have more officers inside of an organization that want positive change than those that don't want positive change. And exactly. the only way we're going to get through this, Virgil, and to the listeners, it's going to take those officers to start standing up standing up, yeah. and, and basically saying, not, in, not within our department is this going yeah. to occur.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, Keith, I want to get to a, a couple more comments in the chat room. Rick uh, puts in the chat room that uh, policing profession is customer service focused. Uh, We are the servers, uh, two sides to the badge, serve and protect. Unlike the private sector in policing, the customer is not always right. Every customer gets treated fair and professional. However, each customer may require a different type of customer service strategy. Uh, He goes on to say the next comment is that the most, and I like this, Rick, he says the most difficult person to lead is yourself. You know, and I think he, this is where we've gotten, let's just go back to the clip that showed the, uh, the, the LA deputy slamming down the, the lady in the, the grocery store parking lot. There wasn't anything about that. That was customer service. These guys rolled up. They had information that was, that was relayed to them by the dispatcher. Well, Uh, I, I disagree with you.
1: What? It wasn't customer service to us, but it was customer service, probably
0: to that retail. (laughs) Well, 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 you know what? And so after the fact, Keith, after this incident happened, this Winko store, uh, they've been there's been a lot of uh, peaceful protests at this store. So they have taken. uh, There's been a lot of people who are not uh, satisfied with how the store handled the situation. And the fact that and you often and you know this, Keith, what a person can say something to a dispatcher and that dispatcher inputs that information. So a lot of things could have been mis, uh mishandled or, or un, information given that wasn't true. So, again, this story has taken a lot of criticism for what happened to this to this couple. Okay, whose responsibility
1: is it to get all the information though? Even if the even if the 911 it's a police gets officer gets the information, they're typing the information in. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you right now, that's they are first responders. Communication professionals are first responders. The majority of them get it right. Unfortunately, there are, just like we talk about that 2 to 3%, there are some that just they are doing a job, they don't look at it as a profession, mm-hmm. they type things in. Um, and I've only had, I've, I've had that happen before to the point I had to terminate one based on the fact that it led to the death of a citizen, and if that person had not, if that person would have just provided a little bit of information for knew how to ask, ask the right questions. But that officer has a responsibility to get as many details as possible uh, before he encounters or, or, you know. Now, in this situation, time time allowed that. There was, there was time to do that. There are yeah. certain situations where things are moving really quickly, active shooter situation. But you still have to get as much information, accurate information as possible. In this situation, they had time on their hands.
0: Yeah, exactly. That, that could have been handled a whole lot differently if they would have just asked the question. Question, Keith, I got a, I got a, the last video I want to show because this one is probably more disturbing than the one with the lady being slammed down because once again, these deputies are dealing with African-American women. This clip is, is going to... You probably haven't seen it, but again, when I saw it, I knew it needed to be a part of of our conversation tonight. So let's watch this here because we're coming upon probably the last, uh, we're going to probably go over a little bit tonight. But I think this is really important uh, to show this to our listeners and uh, for people to hear uh, this encounter.
4: That's right. There is a use of force investigation underway. The deputy involved was not disciplined until recently and tonight the sheriff says he's releasing the video for full transparency. We do have a warning though. The video you're about to watch is very disturbing. Take care of the, the body cam footage gut wrenching to watch a mother holding her three week old baby surrounded by LA County Sheriff's deputies as they attempt to place her in handcuffs. One of the deputies then punches the mom in the face twice. The incident happened the night of July 13th of 2022 after a traffic stop in Palmdale. The mom was one of three female passengers riding in a car with three infants inside. No child car seats to be found. The male driver was pulled over for not having his headlights on and eventually taken into custody for DUI. The women were being arrested for felony child endangerment.
3: I found the punching of the woman in these circumstances completely unacceptable.
4: Sheriff Robert Luna spoke to reporters Wednesday evening, moments after releasing the body cam footage.
3: I took swift action upon learning about this incident several days ago.
4: The sheriff says he legally can't disclose the disciplinary action taken against the deputy, but that he's been taken off the field. The case has been referred to the DA's office for criminal consideration.
3: These incidents can absolutely lead from anywhere from training uh, all the way uh, from days off to dismissal. The community expects us to hold our employees accountable
4: uh, and that's what we'll be doing. But community activists say it's not enough. We're demanding not just transparency as Luna is talking about, but accountability. And that looks like firing, the most abusive deputies, but also transformation of the way that we do public safety. They're also questioning the timing of the video's release. The incident, which happened during former Sheriff Alex Villanueva's watch, just came to light. Villanueva chimed in in a heated exchange on social media with County Supervisor Janice Hahn tweeting, quote, the incident was recorded on my body-worn cameras you fought to delay, remember? An investigation was launched when it happened, and Luna is once again removing all context to portray himself as a hero. Again, Sheriff Luna says he's releasing the video for transparency and to gain public trust. The FBI Los Angeles office is also looking into this matter. That's the latest here in downtown. Carlos Salcedo, KTLA 5 News.
0: You know, Keith, I think... (laughs) The
4: traffic stop, you're talking about
0: young women in a car. They didn't have car seats. We all know you need to have car seats. But I think when you start talking about arresting these young girls who have babies who are weeks old or months old for uh, child endangerment, that's where when we talk about the customer service, when we talk about the empathy, when we talk about just the lack of respect for black women. Here is another L.A. County deputy who, and again, this is just the embedded culture of bad policing. And the fact that as the reporter stated, this are the former sheriff stated that this is something that happened some time ago, but it's just now coming to light. Again, Keith, instead of saying, we've got car seats we can have brought here, Uh, So you can make sure that that these kids are put in car seats. But why go to the extent of wanting to arrest these young girls?
1: You know, that's why I go back to my days in Arlington, man, from day one, they teach customer service and community oriented policing. And and so if you're going to write the girls a ticket, you write the girls a ticket, but there's probably, you know, you start asking why, why are these babies not in car seats? Well, there could be, Several answers, you know, we don't want to put them in car seats or uh, we don't have the we don't have the funds to purchase car seats. And yeah, if that's the case. Then, you know, you I know a department as large as L.A. County has a victim's advocacy program. And, and those
0: organizations they got free car seats,
1: They have free car seats. So why not get on the radio and call for a victim advocate to bring a car seat out to the city, yeah. to seat? The so there was there were options. But at the end of the day, that lady had her baby in her arms. Exactly. She's, she's being punched. I mean, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about, man. You know, you can't justify that. And and to those who may be watching, you know, if there's some officers, that's just bad policing. Yeah. You can't yeah. justify somebody punching a ba- a woman a woman in the face, a man in the face, they're holding an infant child. Um, you can't. In that situation, yeah. there were no weapons involved. It was just
0: she was resisting with her baby. And you punch her in the face. Yeah, and and the fact that the the driver of the car, as we heard, was pulled over for not having his headlights on. He was eventually uh, arrested for DUI. But I just don't see how those three young women who were in that car uh, should have been treated that way, especially the one who was punched in the face holding her baby. And you've got the deputies trying to, to pull the baby out of her arms. Again, Keith, this is why I go back and there's going to probably be a lot of police officers who are either watching this now or who will listen to this uh, podcast show later. And they are thinking, my God, why are you guys police chief? You don't you're not one of us. This isn't about being one of us. This is about think about this. What you want your sister, what you want your aunt, what you want any female family member to be punched in the face by a police officer if you are not a police officer. It shouldn't make a difference if you are a cop or if you're not a cop. That's not the way to treat people. And I will tell you this, and I think this is where everybody says, yeah, Keith, there's a process, but you you put the police unions in the middle of this here and they'll say this officer needs some, some, some type of training or whatever we need to start sending a very clear message that if this is the type of of attitude that you have and you feel that you've got this much anger you don't need to be in this profession because i'm gonna go back to what what rick said this is a profession about customer service you are the customer how are we treating you because one cop you let a you let a cop go to a fast food restaurant keith and get bad service he'll never go there again Never. No.
1: Yeah. So. And 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 I'll tell you, man, I've, I've had a bunch of those type of calls and I've written citations to, uh, I was just, that was one situation where I live by the letter of the law when you don't have a baby in a back seat, I mean, mm-hmm. in a car seat, but I always made sure that that baby left there in a car seat. In the car seat. Yeah. In a, in a, in a car seat. Um yeah. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, there are things that you can do. Uh, that could have been handled. differently, And as we said before, this is not about the profession. This is about those individuals like these officers who lose control and who tarnish uh, and give all the officers who want to do the right thing. That gives them um, a bad name and it casts a shadow over the profession. So it's not about and we've said that over and over again you know, it, this is a very uh admirable uh
0: profession, uh an honorable profession also. But we need uh, to call out bad we, we need to call out good though, cops we, need to call out bad cops, right? There. They
1: do. I mean simple simple as that. Uh yeah. and, and you know that's the only way that, that culture is gonna change. It's
0: gonna change. Well hey brother man, it's it's been a, a another great uh evening uh uh on this uh topic the embedded culture of policing what made it uh, good baby. huh going to tell what made it great well you know what man i'm gonna have to say your presence the 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 presence of chief swaggy one you know how i say that chief swaggy swaggy one <laughs> uh uh you know you always bring uh you know a lot of life to the podcast show man well that's true that's true i can't yeah. i can't yeah. deny that man you know and 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 we gotta give thanks to uh to those who are tuned in to the podcast rick we definitely thank you and thank you for reaching out to me on linkedin uh to to want to uh be a part of this uh my man topic and so uh you know uh it, it's uh it's been a pleasure uh his last comment is it was those eyeglasses made he said oh he said it it was the eyeglasses that that made it great so Hey, hey, Rick, I, you know, I don't know where this dude is going with these eyeglasses, man. But hopefully somebody somebody real close to him will tell him that that's just not the look. That ain't the they've look. Al- they've already said it, but I don't listen. No. Oh, OK. All right. Well, hey, man, you know, we will be back together again next Thursday for another informative topic on you and the law podcast show and uh i'm trying to get i'm gonna let our listeners though because i'm trying to get this old man i'm trying to get him to to so we can do our podcast on twitter twitter space so you know man we, we we're gonna we, we're branching out because i think more people would, would... wait a minute man got another
1: person? do we have another person because you swear you said old oh, man who are you talking about i'm talking about the,
0: the person who wearing the glasses Oh, wait, we got somebody else wearing glasses? No, man, you're looking at him. Okay. What, go whatever, 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 man. Yeah, hey, but but you know, it, you know, we're we're also looking at taking our podcast to uh to Twitter. Uh they've got a, a space on there where we can have these same type of dialogues, the same uh, uh kind of conversations. So uh, you know, we're, we're gonna get there and uh it, again uh Thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. Uh, Make sure you tune in next Thursday at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And if you miss any parts of this uh, 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 broadcast, uh, check us out on on, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. (laughs) Wherever you listen to your podcast show, uh, you can find us uh, and listen to this show and many other shows. So, brother, we will... Get together again next Thursday, same time, right here on Facebook Live. Have a good night. All right. Good night, everybody.